I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, my best of the weekend. Remember Tim Elko? We talked about him, uh, the little kid down the street, as you would, as I would say, when I moved in. Not so little yeah. anymore. No, big dude. Um, when I moved in in uh, Villa Rosa, I told the story last week. Uh, about a dad and his father playing catch, and, and lo and behold, as the years would fly by, uh, turns out he is a uh, an All American third baseman uh, who's had injury, you know, bad luck. He's got a torn ACL, made it back from that, hasn't had surgery, was out there going to play in a regional college regional uh, tournament that they were hosting in Oxford, and one of our listeners texted us or, or I guess emailed us and said, hey, a uh, little postscript to your Tim Elko story. Dude hit a grand slam in the regional opener against Southeast Missouri. They won the game 6-4. to four. It was quite a moment. I mean, home crowd, they packed that place there in Oxford. And, you know, he, he's such a fan favorite and, and, you know, such a great kid, a great baseball player, but a great kid. Um, and not many people would even attempt to come back and, and play um, on, a, on a knee that needs surgery, and he will have it as soon as the season ends, but it looks like the season may continue as we're doing this podcast. Uh, they actually were, um, they, they were losing to Southern Miss nine to seven, but they have a game on them so that if they do lose the game, it would force another game, um, in that, in to see if they can get to the super regional, but, um, they're just, they're getting closer to the college world series, but yeah, kind of cool, man. I mean, that, that moment, it, that place erupted. It was really neat. Yeah, I mean that's those are the, those are the moments you live for. I mean, in college oh, yeah. or to see. I mean, the pure joy and elation on that team, and you know, knowing what he's gone through and what and, he's been through. You yeah, know, I mean, he can't play the field; he's just DHing because of his knee. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's incredible. I mean, the moments that the college World Series and the whole baseball tournament, in the college, in the women's college World Series too. Yeah, um, absolutely. There's been some tremendous, like James Madison. Um, oh, that, that play at the plate. That pitcher, yeah. uh, I can't remember her name now all of a sudden. Uh, Alexander, I think, is her last name. Right. Um, that play, yeah, she made at the plate going all out to, to when the bases the squeeze were Squeeze play on a bunt, play, yep. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, just incredible. USF baseball. Um, what Man, they're they doing right now in nowhere. Gainesville. Yeah, I mean, they beat Florida. They beat and Miami. Miami. Yeah. Now, the, the game tonight is suspended against South Alabama. They're down 4 nothing in the 5th. So that's mm-hmm. going to resume this afternoon at just after noon, 12.06, I think, is the official time. Uh, if right. USF loses that, they still get another game, much like Ole Miss. They haven't lost yet, so they'll have another chance to beat US, uh, South Alabama. Right. Um, but to knock off Florida and my Florida was the preseason number one team in the country. Oh, you know, yeah. They were like 15th in the country. Now, did you see how they lost to South Alabama? I did not. 19-1. to 1. Oof. Yeah, they, got, they lost both Whoa. games quick. I mean, you know, got USF smoked. beat them, and then South Alabama smoked them. Uh, yeah. South Alabama's then went on to beat Miami too, and and uh, so, um, but you know, good on USF. Um, you know what a showing they're making in the regional. Hopefully, they can finish it out this afternoon. Well, they weren't. I mean, they went into their, their conference tournament. They had a losing record. They were not even a five hundred team. Mm-hmm. They came out of it one game over. Um, but they've gone on a tear like nobody's business. And I mean, they've they've convincingly won these games now. 
you know, we'll, like you said, we'll see if they either come back with the uh, the post uh, the continued game or have to go to another one. But it's it's a Cinderella story if they could get to a regional final. Um, it'd just oh, be yeah, if they get to su- the, super, the, the regional. super regional, yeah, and then be. a chance to go to the World Series. It's one of the few years I I didn't I can't remember off the top of my head. They they had the uh, stat that how long it has been since Florida, Florida State, or Miami have not made it uh, into like a super regional and or the World Series. It's been forever. It's been a say, long time. I, I mean, I'm not a huge college baseball fan as far as that, but I can't imagine a year I've seen that didn't have one of those three in there, at least. Right, right. And um, many many times uh, there's multiple teams like that in the World Series itself. I covered uh, going way back, uh, you know, college World Series in, in uh, Omaha where Florida State and Miami were in it, or Florida and Florida State, you know, the, the multiple teams from the state but yeah it's uh so how about usf being the the one that uh, has a chance to go on that's what a what a what a year for usf sports in general right it's just been uh been tremendous for them over there champa bay baby champa bay and and speaking of champa bay so uh we're going to talk all about the lightning obviously in their uh i guess it was game game four win is that right correct yes yeah game four win which was nuts by the way um in just a minute but there's a uh, a report that the USFL, the United States Football League, is relaunching in 2022. This is 40 years after what was really one of the most successful spring leagues uh, had a was short lived. If you recall, um, they had stars like uh, Reggie White and Herschel Walker and Steve Young, Jim Kelly. Eventually, Doug Williams went there. Um, Donald Trump was an owner of the New Jersey team, and um, you know there there was all kinds of of excitement and. You know, at that time, the NFL was in some cities were was threatened by the USFL because, quite frankly, they they had a better product in many cases, including right here in Tampa Bay. The Bucks were not good, to say the very least, um, back back in the day. This this would have been um, early '80s, and so you know they went head to head and and outdrew the Bucks uh, substantially. This was '83 to '85. Wasn't Burt Reynolds an owner? Burt Reynolds was the owner. I I'll, I'll just tell you a quick. Yes, I'll tell you a quick story. So, uh, John Bassett uh, was, I believe, was the one that uh, actually owned the team, uh, and he uh, part of the ownership included included a Hollywood group, which was Burt Reynolds. Um, and so we go to the first game. I forget who they played, but I was I was riding shotgun with Dave Schieber, who was the beat writer at that time. Um, Dave covered the Bucks for years after that, but so we go to uh, the old the old sombrero, and we watch the USFL. And my job was to kind of capture the pomp and circumstance, you know, just the the celebrity around the event and everything. And so here comes, uh, and at the time, you got to remember now, this is this is eighty three to eighty five. So you know, I don't know when Smoking the Bandit came out, or I do know that WKRP was pretty popular mm-hmm. um, in the early eighties or late seventies. And one Lonnie Anderson was Burt Reynolds' girlfriend. Yep. So here they come off the elevator in the old sombrero, and it's Burt Reynolds, Lonnie Anderson, and like, uh, oh, who was the guy from the, oh, oh, Charles Nelson Riley, you know, for the old match game mm-hmm. uh, of all people. So, you know, that was, as they say, that was a big deal, you know, in the sleepy little city of Tampa Bay to have Hollywood show up. And, and of course, the team itself was, was phenomenal. I mean, Steve Spurrier was the head coach. Um, the late John Reeves, the Gators quarterback, was the what was the was the quarterback of the Bandits. 
Um, you know, they had uh, Eric Trevelyan. They had all, all these guys that were uh, that that became well known. It was a terrifically marketed team. Actually, the Bucks stole their colors for the most part when they redid the redesign. Um, the bandits uh, were were not pewter, but they were red and kind of black, and um, you know, just 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 a better just a better marketing product, a better everything. And it was a spring league, which I you know the downfall was that. Trump and some others wanted to move it to the fall. They were hopeful that some of these teams might be folded into the NFL. And I think, you know, that was their mistake. And eventually it ended up in a big lawsuit that the SFL won, but their, their reward, their reward was only $1. And so it effectively folded the league. Now they, they, they haven't announced with this return that which teams apparently is going to be, I think eight teams, I want to say, but they said it was going to be some of the more popular ones. I would, it has. I mean, Tampa Tampa Bay was right there with 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 the top teams in that league. Birmingham, obviously. Uh, I think Denver had a franchise. There's a lot of Chicago uh, had one. Um, a lot of major cities, but uh, man, I I would I would certainly think that uh, that somebody would be looking at Tampa Bay or Champa Bay as a um, you know as a possible landing spot, and they would play their games, you know, at. Uh, Raymond James Stadium, I would imagine, and things like that. But it's uh, it's exciting to think, you know, again, I, I think Fox has a minority stake in this. Uh, yeah, that's what I've read too. Yeah, they, that's going to be their that's going to be their broadcast partner. So that you certainly need, um, you know, you certainly need to have something like that. I'll be curious forward. what happens with the XFL as well. I mean, The Rock bought that, you know, from they're going to play man and that, and they plan mm-hmm. on on playing again. Yeah, so it's it's going to be interesting, you know, dual competing football leagues again. Remember, like you had the XFL and the AAF, right, right, and then they they always ultimately they have trouble making it, and you know um, they disband, and 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 everybody's trying to to come back and have a spring. I think the the spring is probably the the time to play it. Um, I don't know that we need more football in the fall, and I don't think they could go head to head with. You know, with the NFL, and I thought that was the downfall of the USFL, which really was successful, right up until they uh, skipped the season to try to go head to head with them. But um, it all ended up in court. So you know, just kind of a it was a fun time, man. I don't know how many people that listen to this podcast remember uh, the USFL and remember. Um, you know, Jeff Perlman wrote a book about the league. Uh, there's been many, many different things written about it, but it's uh, it was a fun league. So we'll see if it comes back. Meanwhile, okay, so for me, Saturday was a tough day to watch hockey because this was the one day of the year in the summertime where it's dance recital. <laughs> the uh, the kids are the kiddos, the two girls are, are at Dance Makers, which is a, uh, a a studio up here uh, in North Tampa, and they they work all year long for this show, and it's epic. I mean, it really the talent that they assemble um, for these dance teams. And they, they have competition teams and then, and then just, you know, just a ton of people that dance. But they put on the show, and it's like 32 numbers. I mean, this thing takes two and a half hours. We had it at Sickles High School. So I got to watch the first period, right, before I had to go see the Pixies. And so so you saw the first first period goal scored in this series. It took till game four to score a goal in the first period. Yeah, right, exactly. And it was, it was a great goal. And I thought the Lightning, I thought they played tremendous in the first period. I thought they dominated – Time and possession, zone mm-hmm. time. They they got it. Uh, they they seem to have solved, um, you know, all the forechecking and and the, the way they were getting stood up at the blue line. They got it. They got the pucks in there. They got them deep. They got shots, 
And and inevitably, it looked for a while like they weren't going to score. There would be a scoreless first period, but they did score. And um, it was Brayden Point, I believe. And so uh, I get in my car to drive the 15-minute drive or so to Sickles High School. By the time I get there, they have started the second (laughs) period. And, I I mean, it was crazy, right? It, It was like, so all of a sudden, very quickly, as you know, Carolina scores two goals. It's two to one. They're, they're lightning are losing. It's like wow, they're losing. This is incredible. And they weren't playing and, well. And they were not playing well. They they couldn't get. Then they couldn't get it out of their own zone. They were mm-hmm. taking. I think they took a penalty or two. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, um, I think I went into the building. Uh, the dance was out. It was it was four two Carolina, and I'm convinced that's it. Game over. They they are playing terrible. Um, the third period, you know, is hasn't even started yet. Uh, I had taped the game. I, I hit I hit record, and I and I didn't want to know what was going to happen after that. I was like, you know what? But then the more I thought about it, I was like, well, I'm not. If they're going to get blown out, I'm not going to go home and watch two hours of a blowout. Like this is not going to be any good. So lo and behold, of course, I came to find out the rest of the story, and then watch uh, the highlights, if not the re- the replay. Uh, as it turns out, didn't record very well. So I watched mostly the highlights. What the hell happened? I mean, boy. <laughs> You you talk about in a crazy game, right? I mean, the power play was a big deal. I kind of agree with John Romano's column. I think in in a way, Carolina gave that game away with some of their penalties. I mean, the Lightning were three of, three of six on on the power play, and the Hurricanes went over two. But man, when when have you seen eight goals scored in a period of an NHL playoff game? Well, the NHL record for playoffs is nine. Has happened twice. Last time in nineteen ninety. Uh, eight's wow. been many times, or I don't know, many, but several times. But it's by far a mm-hmm. franchise record for the Lightning in a playoff yeah. period. That was one of the craziest, the momentum swings, the oh. wide-open hockey, how the Lightning went from playing a fantastic first period. Great, yeah. To a, what the hell are they doing this second period? <laughs> what what happened to the Lightning? <laughs> to Nikita Kucherov taking over the game. He did, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden they're up. They're up uh, what five to uh, uh, five four five four by the end of that period, mm-hmm. and you're like, what just happened? Yeah, I mean that was it crazy. was it was nuts, and, and and you know Carolina undisciplined play. I mean if if, mm-hmm. if they didn't learn anything from the Florida Panthers series watching the Lightning, don't put the Lightning on the power play. No, you know, and Andre Svechnikov, who's a phenomenal player for them, three penalties hurts. I mean. That power play that the Lightning have, now that Kucherov's back and Stamkos is healthy, how do you stop it when they get the, when 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 they can get in the zone? They still struggle to get into the zone. They do. Mm-hmm. If they lose a face off and it goes down the ice, getting into the zone's a problem. But once they're right. in the zone, th- that's a lethal power play unit. I mean, you, you want to stop Cooch? Fine. I got Stamkos on the other side. You want to stop Stamkos? I got Hedman in the the point. Mm-hmm. Oh, and Brayton Point sitting in front of the goal. By the way. Yep. And you got Alex Klorn, who's not bad, sitting behind the net, basically. Right. Uh, you know, where do you go with that? But the the amount of texts I got when it went to four, what four two four 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 yeah it was four, four two three, four two in that second period it's over. You know. Oh no doubt. You know, dot, you know the ball game. Dot, it was like. Well, when have you seen momentum change back after you've lost it like that? I mean, you know, they were winning one to nothing, and even after tying it two two. Mm-hmm. You're thinking, okay, well, this is going to be a competitive game. And then 
to give up two more goals right there, to give up four in a period, mm-hmm. you almost, I mean, who turns momentum at that point, yeah. right? I mean, you just think this is not their day. Well, Kucherov got the power play goal about two minutes after it became 4-2, but it went 4-3. And from that yeah. point on, Tampa Bay controlled the rest of that period. Now, what was even more impressive was the way Tampa Bay played in the third period. Mm. Carolina's down 5-4 going into the period. Six minutes in, it becomes... Six four. Do you know how many shots they had in the third period? Shots on net. I do not. Until they pulled the goalie with about two and a half minutes to go, Carolina had two shots on goal. Wow, that was a defensive clinic the Lightning put on. Hmm. It was phenomenal in the third period. Carolina with a could one do goal nothing. lead right yeah. until, until Stamkos. Uh, Gets the pass and hits the one timer, right? Well, Kucherov scored the, the goal in the Kuch- third. But... Kucherov scored the third. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Stamkos scored right before intermission, the second intermission, to make it. Got six it. Four. Okay. But the Lightning, it, the Carolina, who's trailing, is pressing, is pushing, had two shots on goal until they pulled the goalie, and then they got four more shots with you right. know with six on five. Two. When you need that game, you're down two to one. You had a f- two goal lead in the second period in this game, and you've blown that. And you've got to score. The Lightning, third period, they play more like that throughout this playoffs. It's tough to beat this team because that was yeah. that was a clinic against a very good Carolina team. Well, so they played a good period, a clinic of a third period, but m- maybe this is the outlier, the anomaly, whatever. They, they can't they can't obviously play like they did in the second and expect to win. But hey, they're up three one. Um, it, it would be huge advantage. If they were to close this out in Carolina on Tuesday, mm-hmm. Kucherov. By the way, we you know it's funny because it doesn't seem that long ago no one had seen Nikita Kucherov at all, <laughs> except occasionally skating you know on his own or on the side. The guy misses the entire season, and and I'm sure some teams were were, were ticked about that because they felt like they they were stashing you know uh, salary cap room and all that. You know, uh, could Kucherov have played sooner? I, I don't know, but. At the end of the day, for a guy to to miss that much time, and and coming off a hip surgery, which you know you would think, at least in the case of when Braden Point had that, you would think that it might take you know a year, like next year might be his better year, right? Um, once the surgery has had some time um, to to heal, whatnot, and the guy leads all skaters in the playoffs now, going into at least the game on Sunday night with seventeen points, five goals, and twelve. 12 assists already. In and 10 so games. in 10 games. In, in 10 games. I mean, and hadn't played since September. It's is there any doubt that he's one of the top 2 3 players in the world and 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 is doing it after missing a season coming off hip surgery is just remarkable. When he's on his game, when he's got that focus, you know, he's not taking bad penalties or occasionally it, it seems like he's moping around the ice at times. Yeah. Now generally in the playoffs last year, I mean the playoffs he was phenomenal. When he's on his game, there's not many in the game like him. And it's he, he's not, you know, Crosby or McDavid, he's not the scoring machine. But his creativity and his the way he sees the game and the way he sets his teammates up for goals and opportunities. It is so impressive to watch. Yeah. And, and you know, Hedman runs the point on the power play, but it really runs through Kucherov. Oh, everything runs through Kuch, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, he is, you know, he doesn't play the point position and he's, you know, sitting on the, the, the one wing at the dot, essentially, but the power play is running through him, not Hedman. Oh, absolutely. Um, absolutely. He is just, 
he is so fun to watch when he is when he's engaged in a game and skating and and for the most part for the last two seasons that's what he's been. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he'll have his moments at times, but when he is focused in 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 the game like that, it is it, when the puck's on his stick, it's fun to watch because he well, he, had, he sees the game a different way than most players do. Yeah, he does, and he and he look he atoned for what was an egregious penalty that he took that cost him probably. I'm not saying it cost him the whole game, but it obviously led to the winning goal in mm-hmm. Game Three. Mm-hmm. So there was some atonement due, uh, and he certainly he certainly paid off that debt and then some. But you're right, like playing with him. I don't know. The only thing I can liken it to it's like whether it's pickup basketball or the NBA. If you ever play with a great point guard, like a fantastic guy that sees the whole court right and can score, but but can set you up. All you have to do is run the floor with those guys. You just just run. Just get to the spots you're supposed to be at, and the ball always finds you for a layup. It's incredible. They just they create double teams. They create open spaces for people, and that's what Kucherov does. I mean, Kucherov just sees guys, and if you're in the right places at the right time, the puck's going to find your stick, and he does it time after time after time. Well, and that's and, why you have to have high-skilled guys. There are certain guys that – Need to play with high skilled guys. Absolutely, Cooch is one of those. You know that's why he needs a Braden Point on his line. Absolutely, um, Andre Pallad is a high skilled guy too. Not in the same way as Point that, but his kind of go in the corners, get the puck, and, and to make the plays and, and be in the right positions. But you know when you you know that's I mean that's why that power play works too. Is it's you know which one do you want to stop? Hedman, Cooch, Stamkos, Point, or Kalorn? Yeah. You got five highly skilled guys there. Oh um, yeah. You know, but when when Cooch is playing with players of high skill, it's fun to watch. I mean, Braden points the same way. Um, mm-hmm. When Stamkos and and Kucherov are hurt, and and you know that top line struggled for a little bit this year when it was Point, Palat, and the name your your winger. They tried right. Alex Barry Boulay. They tried Tyler John. They tried several guys at wing up there. It just wasn't any near the same. You get Point and Kucherov together, and wow, that line's totally different. You know, it, it's no, no, no. those guys have skill levels beyond just being a really good forward. They're elite, no doubt. And like I said, if they're if they're able to close out this series, depending on what continues to happen in, um, you know, in, in between the I guess it's between the Islanders and Boston. Yeah, that, that that's going to go to a game six. That's tied at two games apiece. Game five will be tonight. Game six will be Wednesday, and then game right. seven would be Friday if they need. So if you get if you can get a game seven out of that series and then wrap it up yourself on Tuesday night, that's some serious rest, which at this point is huge. Yeah, I mean if you wrap it up Tuesday, the Lightning do, and say Boston, the Islanders go to seven games, the earliest you would start the the next series would be Sunday. Because mm. they're, I mean, you know, Boston New York would play on Friday. They're not going to make them play Saturday. So the earliest mm. that series would start at Sunday at that point. Mm-hmm. Um. And then, depending on the other series, I mean, as we're taping this, Vegas has a two-goal lead in the second period or the third period now. Uh, that that would tie that series up at two games apiece. Now, Montreal is up three games to nothing over Winnipeg. That series could end tonight. Game four is tonight. It's not, they're on a back-to-back. It's funny the Canadian division, which started <laughs> later than everyone else, could actually finish first. Yeah. They could be done tonight because you know, um, if Montreal sweeps Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. Talk about a team that no one was expecting. The Winnipeg Jets? No, Montreal. Well, the Mont- oh, the Canadian. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, Winnipeg wasn't expected to sweep. Well, Edmonton, they were down. They're down three one to Toronto, three, and Toronto yeah. does 
does its usual choke job. So. Yeah, I mean, they were the four seed there, and no one was expecting them to do much in the playoffs, and they get by Toronto, and now they're up 3 nothing on Winnipeg. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's, it's something. I still think that, I, look, between between the Avs and, and uh, Las Vegas, whoever wins that series I think is going to be in the NHL finals, and, I, and, and, and look for my money, they may be favored. You know, whichever team wins that. Colorado, I believe, is the favorite still. Although, if this series go 2-2, maybe Lightning become the betting favorites at this point, up three games True. to one. True. Um, Colorado, I think, is the better team. But to be honest, Vegas has outplayed them in this series. Mm. Colorado warm out game one. And, and that was almost a scheduled loss. Uh, Vegas had just come off a seven-game series with Minnesota. Sure. Forty-eight hour, less than forty-eight hours later, they're playing in Colorado for Game One. Colorado, who swept their first round over the Blues, and had a week off. If you remember in the bubble last year, the Lightning had advanced after what five games against the Bruins, right? And meanwhile, the Islanders had to go seven games, and then they had to fly across the country and less than forty-eight hours later play the Lightning in Game One of the Eastern Conference Final, and got blown out the building. The Lightning ran all over them. It was. Right. You know, it's what you call a scheduled loss. I mean, just, you know, one team's on rest. The other just came off an emotional Game 7 win and then had to travel and play. Sure. And and it was, you know, it, it, that's not indicative of the series. Well, that's what happened to Vegas in Game 1. Colorado wins in overtime in Game 2, and now Vegas takes Game 3 and is leading in Game 4. We don't know if it'll end that way. But but Vegas, has, to be honest, has outplayed Colorado in this series, despite the fact I think Colorado's the better team. Yeah. Well, it was certainly... Certainly a wild hockey game that I missed most of, um, but did see a lot of the highlights in the interviews. And this Lightning team, boy, I'll tell you, that, that experience that they have being Stanley Cup champions and just the poise and just recognizing that the game is never over, that's a hard thing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard to stay in the moment when you're when you're watching the momentum slide away from you. And the Lightning have managed to do that now a, a couple times. And Well, and if you don't uh, think a team can actually turn it on come playoff time, the Lightning have proven that because they didn't they play have. well down the stretch. And granted, you add the, healthy Stan Kucherov yeah. back that helped too. But yeah, but other players yeah. picked up their play, and you know, I mean, that's part of that experience. I don't know if every team can do that, but you know, they've got enough experience and enough playoff games. I mean, you know, what Kuchar just hit a hundred playoff games, and a lot of the other cores up around that number, and you know, right. I mean, you know, they've got so much experience, and they've gone through. You know, getting to a cup final in 15 early, getting beat in game sevens of the Eastern Conference Finals twice to the Capitals and the Penguins, getting swept by the Blue Jackets after having a record-setting season to winning a Stanley Cup. I mean, anything you can throw at them, they've, they've dealt with in this, this mm-hmm. core group in, in the last seven seasons. It's, you know, you're not going to do something they haven't seen or dealt with before. Right. Well, it's certainly showing, in, and I think it'll continue to do so, but – Remarkable game, and uh, not for the faint of heart. Kind of a roller coaster, um, to say the very least, as as John Cooper described it. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/people today. 
Uh, the Rays also another great uh, weekend for them, um, especially on Sunday's game. They they had a what they call a bullpen day, I guess you would say. Um, two and two thirds innings from Michael Waka, and then a bunch of zeros put up by five different relievers. Uh, this game was 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 you know looked like kind of a boring. I mean, game, to be it honest. was a boring game for for the most part. Yeah, it was one to nothing. They you know in the first inning. The Rays give up a run basically on a double play. They concede a run um, after getting a couple guys on in the first. Walker got in a little bit of a jam, but he got the double play. And you're thinking, well, one to nothing, that's not going to hold up. Well, it kind of did uh, until they tied it in the eighth. And, and it happened with a, with an infield error um, and, and then a, a, a rolling single uh, by Rosarena, kind of a swinging bunt, and then a pair of eight-pitch walks to Brosseau and Yandy Diaz. And, you know, and then, of course, the story turned out to be Taylor Hall. I mean, this kid, with every game he plays, looks more and more comfortable, especially at the plate. 24 years old, and he's the guy that's that's kind of keeping Wander Franco down at AAA. He had three hits, including the bases loaded double that drove in the go-ahead run. Mm-hmm. Just, uh, just a big game by him and another win for the Rays and, and another series win. Uh, this time against the Rangers, yeah. who they who they had lost three or four against earlier in the year at home. So yeah, Taylor Waltz has been very impressive, and he has been and, right. You know, it, it's it's funny because you know this trade is you know it's early still, but it's a win win for both teams. I mean, yep. Will, the Brewers since they got Willie Adamas is on a hell of a roll. Yep, um, and the players have talked about the energy he brings and the excitement and the you know everything we know sure. about Willie Adamas. But sure. the Rays got J.P. Fireisen, who got the win today on Sunday. Yeah, um, his pitch really well, but it also allowed them to bring up Taylor Walls, who's done a f- tremendous job at shortstop in his you know first two weeks, uh, you know playing up here. So, um, but it, you know a good ser- Rich Hill on Saturday was phenomenal. Oh my gosh, yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> who would have thought that that the Rays would replace Charlie Morton with an older with an pitcher older guy? And, yeah, forty-one year old Rich. I mean, he was a pitcher of the month, right? And and I and it's clear to me because uh, they're letting him go through the lineup a couple times, and then they're getting him out of there after five innings. Clearly, he could go deeper if they wanted him to. But at forty-one, you want this guy healthy if and when you get into the postseason in October. So they're managing a lot of these starts by these guys, which I think is a smart thing to do. And you know, in the long run, is is going to help them out. In the meantime, they're winning games. The thing, my takeaway from like when I watched them play the Rangers, especially in this this last game of the series here, is that man, when you make a mistake, and this has happened, you go all the way back to the Kansas City series, you know, a lot of when you make a mistake against the Rays, they make you pay. Good teams won't beat themselves, but when you screw up, man, they'll pummel you with it. They'll just pummel you with it. You know, give them just a little bit of a crack, like they got with a leadoff error in that eighth inning. Um, and, and then you get, you know, sort of a swinging bunt and then a couple of walks. And next thing you know, they, they, they've got the lead on you. And I mean, it happens that fast. Kevin Kiermeyer came in, um, at the end of the, it would have been the end of the seventh and there's a run on third, two outs and he makes a diving catch. He had been, been a defensive replacement because of a pinch hitting situation. He makes a diving catch in center field, which keeps the game right there at one, nothing. That was a huge play, you know, and as much as you can ride, defense into the next half inning but sometimes you can um and their ability to to sort of rally in late innings you know they they play a lot of close games they trail in many games but when you get them in the seventh eighth and ninth inning they just seem to have a way of 
of, of digging deep and finding an extra gear and, and doing whatever it takes to win. Um, and the Rangers, of course, are struggling. I mean, they came into the series having lost nine in a row. Uh, and so what is it now? 11 out of 12 for mm-hmm. them. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, that's what you do to teams like that. You know, you, you don't let them uh, get off the floor very much. So, Well, look at what the Rangers did. I mean, they, late in the games, they'd walk batters. I mean, yeah. it, you know, what the Lightnings – the Lightning are successful late in games because their pitching keeps them in the games. The Rays, yeah. They don't mm-hmm. they don't give up runs all over the place. They don't give up walks and right. and free passes and errors and and give you chances late in the game. No. Um, you know, they're built so well and we didn't even talk about because we recorded er, early Thursday. Ryan Yarbrough. Yeah. How about that? Our long national nightmare is over. It's over. Yeah. 730 what it? whatever games. <laughs> Between complete games for the Rays, over five years. Matt Andrees was the last guy to have a complete game for the Rays. Isn't that crazy? I would not have – I mean, I, I don't think I would have picked Yarbrough simply because it seems like when he starts, and he's been a bulk guy, mm-hmm. when he starts he hadn't had much success as far as going really deep into games. In fact, no. his record, you know, and his, his performance from you know starting to, to just coming into middle of games is totally different. But yeah, and, and you know, credit Kevin Cash. You know, people probably felt like he'll never let anybody finish a game, but he did, and it was cool to see. I mean, complete games in baseball are rare, even more rare for the Rays. But that was that was a neat job, and you know, he was close now to, to coming out. I mean, I think he threw over 110 pitches, something like that. Um, now the seven but, to one lead helped, or two, of course. whatever it was. I mean, yeah, you know, absolutely. had Blake Snell had a four nothing lead, the World Series may have been different. Yeah. I mean. You know who knows yeah. what the, the, what Kevin Cash would have done at that point, but right there know. were a couple announcers. I forget which game it was. but somebody was broadcasting a game and they saw where you know, wow, look at this. Uh, Rays had a complete game, you know. Uh, and then the guy at some one point, the guy goes, "Yeah," and and Blake Snell couldn't get out of the sixth inning or something like that. He couldn't leave him in to pitch the sixth inning. He'll never live that down. But I mean, well, look, win a World Series and you will. It's like Jason Light drafting a kicker. Absolutely. Well, you know, absolutely. You're never going to live that down until you win the Super Bowl, and then you know that's the yeah, first line of your Wikipedia it. entry. Yep, no doubt. And it's gonna, and it's may, it may take that, but man, I mean, the thing about the Rays is that you know it's not the team batting average. I mean, Austin Meadows is having a hell of a year in terms of driving in runs, home runs. Um, he had a, he had another couple of RBI, I think, on Sunday. So, you know, he he's. He's kind of toasty, as as Joe Madden would say. And Yandy Diaz finally got a home run. Yandy, that was the comic relief moment. I mean, this guy, you look at him and he's all yoked up. I mean, it looks like he, you know, he looks like a, I don't know, like a Mack truck up there. I mean, the guy, you know, the upper body, the strength and all that. And the ball comes off his bat sometimes at about 120 miles an hour. But he just doesn't, you know, that's not his thing. Didn't get the ball in the air very much. Um, when he does, it's usually to the deepest part of the park. Man, he crushed one, and you could see it was kind of comic relief, more relief than comic, but um, he did. He got a hold of one, and it was his first home run of the year, and just the reaction of his teammates and him afterwards was pretty fun, I thought. Yeah, the, uh, the all the talking points against the Rays are going away. I mean, Yandy Diaz homers, Ryan Yarbrough gets a complete game. I mean, what are people going to talk about the Rays now? There's, I mean, they got to accept the fact that they're just <laughs> kicking everybody's butt, I mean, at this point. I mean, really, it's 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 hard it's it's hard not to like them. It's funny because I've read articles recently. Uh, Sports Illustrated did one. I think the Washington Post did one. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
who are these rays and how are they doing this? And <laughs> it, they write a lot of words and never say anything because they don't understand <laughs> it. They have no clue. They're just baffled by it and they're trying to explain it, except you can tell they don't understand it. Yeah. You know, it's national guys who, you know, are just like, how the, are the rays doing this year in and year out? Uh, and, and knowing that their farm system's loaded too. Like, you got guys like Vidal Brujan and. And and Wander Wander Franco, Franco and and others, you know, waiting to come up too. I mean, you know, yeah. it's not like it's not like you know this is it. I mean, you know, they're loaded for years to come. Well, people wondered why Walls was the first one up. You don't have to wonder anymore. I mean, when you when you lose a player like Willie Adamas that meant so much to that clubhouse and, and had really improved his defense and and you know maybe he wasn't swinging the bat very well the last the last year or so. But regardless, that that was that was a big piece of their lineup, a big piece of their clubhouse. To bring up a guy like Taylor Hall, I mean, you got to be pretty sure he's twenty four years old. You got to be pretty sure that he's ready, you know. And he had some struggles um, after the first game or two. Um, I think he put a lot of pressure on himself. He talked about how he, you know, tried to stay with his approach and and um, and you know learn from every at bat and and whatever. But you know, a switch hitting shortstop whose defense is defensively is is better than his offense, which is saying something because the guy he's short to the ball, he makes contact, he's not going to strike out a lot, he's going to keep the ball in the middle of the field, and you know, and and he he came up with with the big hit, um, the game, his first game winning RBI, I think, and you know, a couple of three hits as a matter of fact, and just. He talked about it. He goes, you know, look, it's it's taken me a little time. I've had to make some adjustments, and you would expect that. But he has, and I think this kid, I mean, you talk about a bright future now, you know, because um, offensively he's a better – he looks to be a better player than Adamas. And defensively he may also be a better player. Um, just looks really solid out there with a great arm, turns a double play. I mean, just, you know, just as an impressive kid to go with all the other – uh, great players they have on this team. And, and, and you know, Kevin Cash talked about it. I mean, you look at this game. This is what John Romano wrote. You look at this game and you say, hey, I don't care what you think about the Rays, but, like, they will find ways to beat you you can't even imagine. Like, everybody on this ball club, one through whatever they got there, 25 or whatever it is, they all almost seem to contribute between the entire bullpen, um, you know, guys coming off the bench. Even, even uh, Zanino had a pretty good at-bat. Uh, didn't get the run home, but you know, had a chance to get up there and pinch hit in a key, key situation. Kiermaier with the catch in center field. I mean, whatever they need to do, they seem to come up with, and they do it because maybe your your one through nine guys are better. But I'll tell you what, they're going to beat you one through twenty five. Well, not they just, just one through, they beat you one through 40. one through forty. It's their yeah, forty throughout the entire season. I mean, yeah, right. Um, you know, because they're pit, they're shuttling pitchers up and down a lot. Up I mean, and the down. Fielders, it's a lot less now, but mm-hmm. but pitchers they're shuttling up and down and and. You know, and they have they've constructed the roster so that there's so many complementary parts. Right. You know, their their lineup one through yeah. nine every night isn't going to beat the Yankees lineup or the Dodgers or you know name some of the maybe the Padres and some of the big lineups. But the pieces they have and the way they use them and how they implement it and and you know as as Cash has told players, you know, you're going to pinch hit a lot and you're going to get pinch hit for a lot. Mm-hmm. As a pitcher, you're going to open and close and in the middle, and we're going to take you out a lot, and we're going to you know put you in a lot, and yeah, you know, I mean, it's 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 truly a all hands on deck at all times on this roster. It's not we don't just sit with the same lineup. I mean, what they announced, what this was the 60th lineup out of they've used 60 different lineups in 61 games this year. 
Yeah. Only once have they used the same lineup all year. And then, you know, and then the way they use pinch hitters, it's, you know, it it's funny, like I said, watching national writers or, or people that don't see the Rays every day and don't cover them, how they just don't understand how it works. Well, I was listening to ESPN, you know, after the game and uh, those guys on the radio, I can't remember who was on, but they were they were finally acknowledging that, like, look, uh, you know, give them their due. Like, they, they're, they're smart. They're, they're smart in the way they work their pitching staff, um, not letting it go three times through the order, preserving guys for later in the season after a, an abbreviated season a year ago. Everything they do seems to work, and people need to understand that this is these this is a great, a really great baseball team. Like these guys are really good baseball players, and they're managed really well by Kevin Cash. And that whole organization has, like you said, a great minor league system that just keeps bringing guys in and bringing them up and getting results. So, well, and when um, you know, and what three years ago you win ninety games, right? Then you win what was it ninety six, ninety seven, whatever it was, mm-hmm. go to the playoffs. And last year you go forty and twenty in the bubble. And now you have the best record in the American League. I mean, this is not it's a not fluke. An accident. You know, no. When you can't, no. this is not a fluke for four straight years that you're this successful. Right. Um, you know, this is at, and, and that's why you see Heinblum in Boston and uh, the the click in Houston and Friedman in, in L.A. And then you look sure. at Baldelli in, in mm-hmm. Minnesota and Tom Foley and you know, I mean, all these guys, all these former Rays guys, all over the league now. I mean, they're yeah, baseball knows. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, they know. And, and, Baseball you know, knows. You know, it, it, you know, it's not a fluke that, I mean, go back to the World Series, but if Blake Snell stays in, there may be going to a Game 7, then who knows what happens. Yeah, you know, I no mean, question. L.A. knows that, too. I mean, um, you know, they were, they were the best team in baseball last year, but they know the Rays. I mean, the Rays gave them everything they could handle. Yeah. You well, know? they got a they got a day off, and then they they start a series, I think, against the Washington Nationals. Yeah, a quick two game series, and then they have another day off Thursday, and then Baltimore this weekend. So, yeah, I mean, they could continue this role, which has just been incredible. Um, the way they're playing, uh, four and three road trip, maybe not as good as the previous ones, but still a winning road trip, and that's what you want to do when you uh, when you go on the road. Split so. New York, and then took two or three in Texas. You take that. Any not day. bad. Not bad. All right, so uh, what do we got coming up this week? We'll have uh, the Bucks going to training camp. Uh, that'll happen on Tuesday. It's the man. It's actually not training camp. It's a mandatory mini camp. I'm I'm ahead of myself. I'm not ready for training camp just yet. I was going to say training man- camp. Whoa, wait a yeah, minute. Yeah, I was like, woo. <laughs> uh, mandatory mini camp. Tom Brady will be there. Don't know how much he'll do. All the guys. It is mandatory. The, those those practices are. Well, gonna Tom be, Brady's uh, going to be coaching. So, well, that's what we hear. They're going to be closed to the public. We'll be out there. They start about 8.30 in the morning. Thank God it's been starting to get hot again. So um, we'll have some Zoom calls probably around noon or so with some players, BA off the field. So that'll be exciting for a couple of three days. And then tomorrow uh, we've got a ton of mailbag questions left over, I guess, that we didn't get to and some more that people have added. So we want to answer some of those tomorrow. Yeah, so go ahead and send some more questions if you got them. But uh, we had lots left over from last week, uh, some time constraints and schedules and that. So yeah, uh, at Sports Day TV on Twitter or mm-hmm. at NFL Stroud, or you can email yep. Rick at rstroud at tampabay.com. There you go. So uh, we've got all of that, plus uh, we'll get you ready for Lightning to see if they can close it out in Carolina on Tuesday night. It's going to be a great week of sports again this week. Keep it right here on Sports Day Tampa Bay. For Steve Verstink, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Mom. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.